0: to the Uproom Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit Uproomfrisco.com. Thank you. Man, I love your pastors. I do. Jeremy and Ashley, they're not only incredible leaders, um, incredible pastors. Um, they, <clears throat> they frequently, this should be really, really comforting and encouraging for you to hear, but they are so good about reaching out to those that they're running with to glean wisdom and counsel and insight. And uh, that is evident of their um, humility and their hunger and the sobriety that they have, as goofy as they are, as we've seen already. Um, The sobriety at the core of their heart, that they know that they've been appointed by God here and entrusted by God to care for you. Um, But beyond that, they're just really fun people. They're amazing friends. I just love you guys. And thanks for trusting your pulpit to me. We'll see if you regret that decision in a little bit. Um, It's good to be with my suburban brethren. Hallelujah. I didn't know we had a church in Oklahoma. Um, (laughs) I am a Dallas kid. My world revolves around a five-mile radius of our home, and so anything north of North Park Mall is basically Oklahoma to me, so. (laughs) It's really good to be here, though. I've seen some faces that um, I haven't seen in a long time, and it's just so good, so good to be here with extended family. Um, All right, so as Ashley mentioned, uh, I have been at Upper Room Dallas, uh, not quite since the beginning, but almost, and I have done just about everything there is to do, uh, except for being the women's pastor, but there's still time for that. Um, uh, I'm going to preface this with um, the fact that my uh, wife has been out of town almost two weeks on business, so I've been a single dad at home alone, so if I just stop and stare, I'm not doing like the dramatic Bill Johnson seems spiritual pause. (laughs) I just forgot what I'm going to (laughs) say. So... (laughs) Grace upon grace. (laughs) Oh, man. If you're a single parent in the room, God bless you. Seriously, God bless you. I release grace upon you. Um, What you do is supernatural, so well done. Okay. Um, Well, I want to pray here in a minute. I, um, I am coming gripped, and I shared last night in Dallas um, and it was intense. Um, and so buckle up. We're going to go someplace together. Um, I, <clears throat> many of you probably have no idea really who I am or have ever heard from me, and that is A-OK with me. Um, but I want to tell you a little bit, two things, because of the nature of where we're going to go today, this morning. Um, one is that I uh, love, love the Bible. I grew up in a tradition. I grew up Lutheran, kind of Anglican as well, and... Man, I'm so grateful that I grew up in a tradition that established in me the plumb line of a love for the written word of God. Um, I 99.9% of my journey uh, in God is just praying this book, line upon line, book after book, praying things I would have never naturally prayed, being confronted with truths that I may not fully understand or necessarily even like. Um, and so this book is... is um, gosh, just everything to me. Uh, And yet, if you know me personally, I'm also incredibly swirly. Um, I am an intercessor at the core. I discovered that in the house of prayer as I came to Upper Room. I had no idea what prayer was. I had always heard it was a discipline and, you know, it was a practice to do. And yes, that's somewhat true. But when I heard Michael Miller for the first time way back when, Define prayer as relationship. Something in me was like, yes. Then I want to devote my life to prayer. And I actually learned how to pray by just committing to showing up in a room like this one. Although it wasn't even as nice as this one, it was uh, uh, kind of a garbage heap of uh, vet clinic office space. And um, you could hear the dogs barking. It was amazing. And um, and it was hot. Gosh, it was so hot in the summer. We'd just be drenched in sweat. It was awful. Um, But. I learned how to pray in that sweaty mess of a place, and um, I'm so grateful for it. Um, but I, uh, my life has been marked by encounters with the Lord, even though I didn't grow up in a context that had any understanding or grid for that. Um, and so I'm also uh, a deep lover of practical wisdom. I love points and practical teaching and line upon line. I love clear notes. I'm a weird mix, if you can't tell. And today, this morning, I hope that God just hijacks it. I hope, Lord, hijack it. Do what only you can do this morning. Holy Spirit, I invite you. We know you're here already, but I invite you to expand our capacity, Lord. If your ministry is to reveal Jesus, then we ask you to disclose him to us even more than we've seen him already. Would you fill us so that we could apprehend together who he is in his glory, in his majesty. Open our eyes, Lord. I ask you, God, for grace to be released on me to be sensitive to your leadership, Lord. The nuance of of what you want to do this morning, but Lord, would you also release grace on everyone in the room to receive from you all that you intend to impart into them. So give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Uh, amen. Um, so this message is going to be a lot of bit prophetic, uh, a little bit practical, and um, it's going to be a mix of a lot of Bible and a lot of stories. So buckle up. Um, okay, doke, so obviously uh, Upper Room Dallas is not your um, home church, Frisco is, hallelujah, um, but if you have not um, heard what Michael uh, Miller taught last week in Dallas, I really want to encourage you to find that podcast and listen. Um, Michael not only shared a conviction Um, His heart is gripped, and he is our founder, even though he's not your um, direct pastor. We are all here because he and Larissa said yes to Jesus and kept saying yes. Um, And he is gripped right now uh, just by the Holy Spirit that there is more. And I want to testify to you that there is more coming. There is more coming what we've seen has been glorious what we've experienced has been amazing but God desires to do more and um and he is gripped for that almost in his words troubled that we're not seeing the more and we were in Orlando together um, with about a thousand other pastors uh, in um, a pastor's conference in Jesus image Michael was speaking at it and there was a moment um, in worship the last night that was utterly. And it was when the Lord himself just took over the room. And it was a wave of the holiness of God. And it was utterly. I swear there were angels singing. It was transcendent. It was holy. Um, it was powerful. And... I was sobbing, <laughs> ugly crying, in the presence of God, but I was sobbing not only because I just was loving what he was pouring out. I was sobbing because I was like, oh man, this has been a long time. It's been a long time since I've been in this kind of environment. It's been a long time since his presence has been this palpable. It's been a long time. We've seen to a degree, but there's, this is a greater measure And I was like, oh, there's more. There's more. And so Michael not only shared his heart, but I believe last week he shared as a prophetic herald that what he's being gripped by is not just for Upper Room Dallas. It's something that the Lord is doing and preparing and calling his church, capital C, to. Um, Because right now, the move of the Spirit is being hijacked a little bit. (laughs) Um, Is it? will you just give me permission to speak freely? I know you don't know me. My heart is big. They trust me, so you can trust me. <laughs> but I'm a, straight, I'm a straight shooter, so I'm going to shoot straight. If I offend you, forgive me. It's not my intention. Uh, if you disagree with me, then search in the scriptures and see if what I say is right or wrong. And if I'm wrong, um, tell me and i am teachable and I'll submit to it. Um, <clears throat> but... Um, See, there we go. I just forgot what I was going to say. (laughs) (laughs) Have not slept in a week. Um, (laughs) But I, uh, yeah, it's a prophetic, um, he's a prophetic herald. The Lord is positioning his church. And in some ways, the form of spirit-led worship, right, spontaneous worship, the presence being central to a meeting is starting to get mimicked. It's getting capitalized. It's getting exploited, and it's the form without the substance, without the power, and that worries me because if you're exposing to a degree the form without the substance, to me, this is the preparation for a great falling away because you're, you're around something but not in something, and that's not good. That's not Good, you're not stabilized, you're not tethered to something, or someone, rather. Um, And so I believe wholeheartedly that we're in a divine season, and I don't know how long we're going to be here, but I have this gut feeling that it's sooner than we think, of preparation. We're in a season of preparation because the Lord is desiring to pour out his glory on his bride, to adorn her, to beautify her, and to set her apart in his glory. And I want to tell you, glory, if you've it kind of got hijacked a little bit in like the 90s, you know, like glory meetings or whatever, Um, You know, diamonds falling out of Bibles and gold teeth and all that stuff. That, I mean, that's great. Do it again. Lord, let the (laughs) Bible, diamonds fall out of my Bible. That's fine. I've experienced actually some of those, been in times like that in the early days of the upper room where gold was cloud. It was bizarre. But that's not glory. It may be the evidence of glory, but glory is not signs and wonders. Glory is the presence of God. Glory is God himself. And glory is not God in part. Glory is God in his wholeness. And we don't fully know what that means. But I believe before we see a Jewish man float down from heaven, which is going to be the weirdest thing ever, (laughs) um, it says that the whole earth is going to be full of the knowledge of the glory of God. I don't know fully what that means. Neither do you. No one does. But I know as his church we will pay we will play a critical role in the earth being full of the glory of God because I believe that we ourselves individually and corporately will be containers and carriers of his glory. And so what Michael shared was this pattern. It's very, very, um, he was deeply impacted by a teaching from John Bevere. And this pattern in scripture that you see over and over and over again of God establishing divine order. And once divine order is in place, uh, he then fills what's been ordered with himself, with glory. And then as glory fills and rests, he judges disorder, if there is any that exists. And you see this over and over and over again. So it starts in the garden where seven days, we know the story, divine order in the cosmos, the earth was void and chaotic, and he brought order. At the sixth day, he made the kind of chief creation of man and woman. And it says he, had, in Hebrew, attarred them or clothed them with glory. Um, Michael mentioned that uh, Adam and Eve, um, their little skin was the glory of God. It's how they didn't know that they were naked because they were like shining flashlights of human beings. He crowned them with glory. And then we know, of course, what happens. They make the big boo-boo that we're all now living in the effects of, thanks, Adam and Eve. Um, And so judgment came, but we see even in the judgments of God, glimmers of mercy. And we see hints to the covenant of redemption. Thank goodness that even in his judgment, he does not cease ever to be merciful. That's a big one, but a glorious one. Uh, We see in the tabernacle when he gives divine instruction to Moses, how to build the tabernacle and how to prepare and offer sacrifices to the Lord and pleasing worship. Uh, And the glory fills the temple, and all the priests cry, glory. And um, then two of the six human beings appointed by God and approved to bring the offerings in the most holy place bring strange fire or profane fire. And that word in Hebrew is to treat commonly what is sacred. Basically, it means they became too familiar with the holiness of God and the holiness of their position, and they treated common what was holy. And so judgment came. Um, We see now as the church, the glory of God, the scripture says that he's put the glory of God in the face of Christ in our hearts. We are now the temple, living stones being built up together into a holy habitation for the Lord. He's put glory within us to release into the earth. And so the opportunity is to find divine order in our lives. And I while I was in Orlando, um, this was like a caveat of, a, of a, a message actually on the authority of the scripture. And um, I don't even know what the speaker was. It was like a random sub point of a sub point. But he quoted this scripture out of Second Chronicles that said, for they did not carry the ark of his presence according to the proper order. And that word proper order leapt out at me like leapt out at me. And all of a sudden, things became really simple. Let me tell you, pastoring is hard. <laughs> it's like, the third, I found it's like the third most stressful job, according to, I don't know, Forbes or somebody, I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but <laughs> it probably is. It's a tough job and it requires so much wisdom and discernment and grace to do well. And um, so I'm constantly confronted with problems, I'm constantly confronted with mess. Um, and asking God, like, what do I do about this, and what's, what's that? And all of a sudden, this phrase, proper order, it, it simplified everything for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, God has a proper order for everything. He has a proper order for your investment, for your finances, for your marriage, for your parenting, a proper order for our meetings, a proper order for our days, our years, our times with him and our times together, there's not an aspect of our life that God does not have a proper divine order for. And that is exciting because all we have to do is simply come to him and seek his proper order. But in order to do that, what do we need? We need wisdom. You need divine wisdom in order to understand and apply divine order. And what is the beginning of wisdom? It's the fear of the Lord. And so as I saw him, I'm like, man, it's the simple question, Lord, what is your proper order? And I was like, oh, wait, I don't, I don't know fully. And there's things that I'm confronted with that the book doesn't necessarily speak directly to. So how does one find and discover and apply divine order? And the Lord said it begins with the fear of the Lord. And so today we're going to talk about the fear of God. And it's no consequence that um, during worship we went to that place of deliverance from fear because <clears throat> if you have any fear or afraid of something in life it is the fear of God that will purify and prune that thing off of your life. Um, <clears throat> um, this may come off heavy and I'm fine with that actually. I'm totally okay with that. Um, the Lord told me once, uh, you know, the outpouring in Toronto. There was an outpouring in the early 90s in Toronto. It actually was all over the world. It started in Argentina and then went up to Toronto. And Whether you know it or not, we've all benefited from what God did um, in Toronto and what he outpoured. And really what it was was um, a revival around... Specifically, the spirit of sonship and the revelation of um, the father heart of God is unconditional love. And it was marked with these, this presence of just drunken joy and new wine and um, just um, people getting liberated from religion and liberated into delight. The delight of God and um, the delight in God. And um, it was glorious. And I love the wine. I love the wine. But the Lord spoke to me early on after an encounter that wrecked me, and I may get into that later. We'll see. Um, He spoke to me once, and um, he said, uh, Kevin, I've called you to be one of many voices who will stand to prepare the bride who drank the wine to also stand in the fire. And when we encounter God in a specific way and we're very rooted in a specific revelation of who he is, it can be challenging to be confronted with an aspect of him that seems different. It seems contrary, though he is one. Um, It can be hard to recognize him in ways that we're not familiar with him in. If it's hard to recognize him, it's hard to receive him. And if we can't receive him, we can't worship him. And so um, I stand as one who I know this is a, a wine crowd. Y'all are wine people. Um, And that's wonderful. I'm a wine guy too. (laughs) Um, But I'm standing as one who wants to extend um, an invitation uh, to also prepare to stand in the fire because I believe that the next outpouring um, is going to be one of fire. There's a wave coming. There's a wave coming of fire. And it's going to purify and prune. Everyone who's willing to receive him as he comes, but we must receive him. And we have an opportunity to order our lives and our communities in preparation for that outpouring, but it is coming. The earth will be baptized in fire. Okay, so before (laughs) I go into some of this stuff, I want to define some terms, because like terms like glory and all this stuff, it's like we say them, we sing them, But sometimes it's like, what does that mean? And so I want to offer, I just want to present to you some definitions, take them or leave them. But the unique thing to me about God and what makes him completely different than any other being that's out there (laughs) is that he is one. He's singular. You know, he's three in one, but he is one. He told Israel... Israel, the Lord your God is one. Go with me here for a minute. This might be a little heady and theological, but go with me. We can't even grasp what that fully means. That God in his perfection, in his holiness, which I define as wholeness, lacking nothing, deviating in no way, in no way diminishing, constantly overflowing, full and complete in oneself. He is holy. He is whole. He is one. He is the perfect expression of the whole of who he is at all times, in all ways, forever, God who lives in inapproachable light, the creator and sustainer of the universe is the perfect display and expression of justice and grace and mercy and wrath and love and joy at all times forever. Now, we aren't like that, right? We're not like that. We're composed of pieces. We have a divine um, design You know, an eternal calling, which is irrevocable, praise God. But we also have personalities that are fragmented, pieces that we've picked up from our environments and our culture and our upbringing and our traumas. We're comprised of parts. We're limited to expressing linearly in time. We're limited in feeling a predominant emotion at any one time. This makes much of the incarnation to me, that God in the flesh was fully God, but it was God empty because it says in Colossians 2 that he emptied himself, becoming nothing. He left glory, the glory of wholeness, of oneness, to be found in the the form of a servant. And for the first time ever, God in the flesh was bound by time, moving linearly. He was bound by feeling one predominant emotion at a time, bound by thinking successively, like successfully. Successfully? No. Successively? Yes, there it is. Thank you, Jesus. Can you imagine the one who is all in all being confined to time and space? What the humility of the heart of God to do that, to subject himself to growing in stature and wisdom, to subject himself to being nurtured and cared for and sustained from the breast of a mother that he created... Like, what on earth? Who is he? Like, who is he? But he left his wholeness, his holiness, to be found in the form of man. And I would propose to you that the glory of God, when the glory of God is present, the glory is the manifestation in time and space of the fullness of who God is. It's not the presence of an attribute of God that he's highlighting and authoring faith for. It's the revelation and actually the presence of him in fullness, in glory. Glory is holiness expressed, okay? So, if the fear of the Lord is a requirement it's one of the this not just an attribute it's not a character trait it is the spirit of the fear of the lord the fear of the lord is a ministry of the holy spirit it's one of the sevenfold spirits of god right the holy spirit I want to propose to you a definition for the fear of the Lord, because oftentimes when you hear people talk about the fear of the Lord, they're emphasizing it as a verb. They're talking about the fruits of the fear of the Lord, you know, which we'll get into in a minute. The blessing, um, long life, uh, sleep. We prayed for sleep. We'll get there. There's a scripture that the fear of the Lord causes us to sleep, which is amazing. Um, You know, we talk about loving God, hating evil. These are all fruits of the spirit of the fear of the Lord but I would propose to you that they're not the ministry of the spirit of the fear of the Lord. I would propose to you that the ministry of the spirit of the fear of the Lord is the ministry of full disclosure. That the ministry of the spirit of the fear of the Lord is a disclosing the fullness of God to a human being. I'll prove that to you in scripture. Um, Okay, so in Exodus 33, we have Moses, right? Who, um, it says in the tent of meeting, he spoke to God face to face as a friend. He inquired of the Lord. Um, He and God were friends face to face. But then later, um, he has the audacity, I love it, to ask God to show him his glory. And then God says, okay, I'll show you my glory. I'll let all of my goodness pass before you. And I'll proclaim the name of the Lord before you, but um, I'm going to have to hide you in the cleft of the rock, symbolic of Christ. I'm going to cover you with my hand. And I'm going to just let you see my backside because no man can see my face and live. Well, that doesn't make any sense because we just were told earlier that you two spoke face to face like friends, and now all of a sudden he can't see your face because he'll die. That makes no sense. I want to give you two... Ways of looking at that. And in, in my opinion, it's a both-and. But you can take one and leave the other. It's totally up to you. But to me, this is a both-and. I want to propose to you something <clears throat> that um, when you look at the Hebrew word for face, which is also presence, anytime you read presence in the Old Testament, it's the Hebrew word face almost always. Um, is panah. Um, and um, that word, panah, um, can be both singular and plural. It can mean both face or faces. I would propose to you that when Moses spoke face to face with God, he saw an aspect or one of the faces of God when he would interact and ask of him. He would inquire of him of wisdom, and so the Lord would come as wisdom. He would Come to the Lord needing comfort. We do this in prayer. This is what God does all the time in this room. If you're not in this room, on some level, meeting corporately for prayer, you're missing out, man. You're missing out so much. It's, it's hard at first, but it is so worth it. Just commit, come, settle in, and get a forehead like Flint and plow, man, because God does wonderful things uh, when we pray together. But he saw an aspect. We do this all the time. We will begin to enter in with thanksgiving right? We worship, we praise. Well, we don't worship initially. We praise and we thank him. We remind ourselves of who he's been and what he's done for us. And as we do that, the spirit of God begins to reveal an aspect of who he is, an attribute, a part of God. And then we unify around that. We sing and we enter into worship. And as we worship and unify around who he is, that aspect of him becomes to manifest in our midst. It becomes a substance that we lay hold of, that we can actually take with us and then release out there. Hallelujah, it's amazing. I would propose to you, that's what Moses was experiencing when he spoke to God face to face, but when he asked for the glory, the manifestation of God's wholeness, he said, you can't see my face and live, which I would propose is the plural form, the multifaceted God, And so, to me, that makes sense. But there's another way of looking at it, because he says, you can't see my face and live. Um, That word, it's C-H-A-Y-A-H. In Hebrew, it's probably pronounced Chaya, but that sounds like Chaya, you know, like karate. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, so um, that word uh, is the same word that's used um, for man shall not live by bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. Well, of course, we know we... we'll die if we only read the Bible, right? Like we, our, our bodies divinely need food, you know? So I didn't mean literally life in that, in that form, mortal life. It's the, it's the vitality of life or the essence of life. And so I would propose to you this, that it, God may not have been saying, though, perhaps, if you see the fullness of who I am in my totality, you'll physically die, maybe. But what I am confident for sure it would mean as well is that God is unlike anything else that exists, that his beauty doesn't just capture and take attention, but his beauty actually transmits and beautifies whatever's willing to look at him. That he actually, to see him, is to be changed. To see him is to be transfigured. To behold him is to become like him. And so, what I would propose again is that what he was telling Moses was if you see my glory, you will be so transfigured into a glorious image. He just saw the backside of God, and he had to come down with his face thing, and he was glowing, people were freaked out. Could you imagine if he had seen the unveiled fullness of holiness manifested? He would have been so transfigured in the presence of glory that Israel would have been terrified of him, and he would not have been able to fulfill the call that God had given him to lead Israel into the promised land. And so to ask for the glory of God is a terrifying thing. It is a terrifying thing. It is an awe, full, full of awe thing. It is a holy thing. And it requires the fear of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord is full disclosure. It's the ministry of full disclosure. It's seeing God in wholeness. Now, I can look back at my life. I grew up Lutheran, right? Good old Missouri-centered Lutheran. I Had no grid for Holy Spirit. I knew he existed and was doing something, but that was about it. And we had the Bible, and we had really good doctrine about law and grace, and I'm so grateful for it, so grateful for my upbringing. But I did not have any teaching, no grid, no exposure to the presence of God manifesting, to glory, to spiritual gifts, none of it. And yet, I cannot remember a time not hearing the voice of God. My parents thought I had a mental disorder Um, (laughs) until I got a word of knowledge about my dad's hidden first wife and the details about why she left him. When I was 14, that woke them up. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> praying and weeping for my dad's salvation. and Anyway, and, um, but I had always encountered the Lord. I just don't remember a time. And it's funny, the song we were singing, You Reign Above It All, maybe we can end on that song again, but um, I was taken back and... To the very first encounter I had with the Lord, which was a f- encounter in the spirit of the fear of the Lord, and I didn't even really think about that until um, preparing, of like, oh my gosh, the very first encounter that I had was in the spirit of the fear of the Lord, and I uh, I don't know, it was maybe eight, nine, ten, somewhere around there. It's young, and somehow I had heard I don't know if it was Sunday school or what about it was it Daniel that the eyes of his heart were opened and he saw the angels camped around and he saw oh, the, the, those that are with us outnumber those that are against us, that whole thing. And I had this realization, oh my gosh, there's a whole unseen realm. There's like an unseen realm. There's like beings and things that exist that we can't see. And all it requires is God to open the eyes of your heart and you can see it. And I want to see God and I want to see the angels. I want to see where he is. And if it's just as simple as asking him, open the eyes of my heart, then I'm going to ask him, you know, like childlike simplicity and faith. And so one night I went out into the backyard and I stood in our backyard. It was dark. I looked up and I was in Las Colinas, so there were about four stars. (laughs) 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 And, um, And so I was looking at the stars and just in childhood simplicity, I just said, Jesus, I want to see you. And if you can open the eyes of, Daniel's heart, then you can open the eyes of my heart. So would you open the eyes of my heart so I can see you? This was before, I think before the song was written, open the eyes. Or maybe I just didn't know it because we sang hymns. But um, and what happened next is hard to describe to you. Um, and I don't want to lose you in the details of it, but um, he opened the eyes of my heart at eight, nine, 10. And I don't know if it was, I don't know if I was like literally sucked up. I don't know if I, I don't know, I don't know. But all I know is I was shooting through creation at a speed I can't identify. And I came to what I knew was the end of the universe. And I saw these like gas things and it, the universe was almost like, un, like unfolding and expanding, right? This was in the early 80s. Like, I don't think there were NASA pictures of galaxies being formed, though when I saw them years later, I'm like, it validated. Oh my God, I actually saw the end of the universe. That's what I saw. It was freaky, man. But I came to this place, and this is where I stood, and I'm young. I have no grit. And I didn't see the Lord, but I heard his voice. And it was terrifying in its authority. And it was like this, I mean, just, it was like a 747 taking off. Like, what does the scripture say? His voice is like the sound of many waters. Like a waterfall. Like Niagara Falls times a bajillion. And I heard this voice. Couldn't tell where it was coming from it seemed to come from everywhere and what he said made no sense to me at the time makes perfect sense to me now What i heard him say was i am the one seated beyond the veil and all that's seen is held in the palm of my hand I am he who's seated beyond the veil, and all that's seen I hold in the palm of my hand. And bam, I was back in my backyard. And I couldn't make sense of that encounter I had no grid, the veil had no language, but what happened to me in the spirit of the fear of the Lord was something was carved out in me where I just knew that he was God, he was sovereign, he was providential, and he was massive. There was a confidence, there was a hunger, there was a desire at 8, nine, ten, where I would kneel in my room and I wasn't allowed to play with matches, so I'd have my parents light a candle because that's what they did in church, and that's all I knew, and I had a rabbit skin and my Precious Moments Bible open with the gold leaf, and I didn't know what to do. It's real. I had a gold cross necklace that I drape across. I was like trying to mimic what I saw in church, you know? Like asked for a robe once. Like I, did, I was just yearning to connect with the one who had taken me right to the end. Right to where on the other side he stood. And the sovereignty, the majesty, the grandeur of God has always been something that is at the very core of who I am. Why? Because of that experience. Because of the impartation in the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And so when we sing that song, you reign above it all. You reign above it all, above the universe. I'm like, oh my God, it's true. You reign you're beyond the veil and all that's seen is in the palm of your hands. How glorious are you? Um, so the spirit of the fear of the Lord. It's important to know how do we, um, oh gosh, it's already 1150. Dear Lord, help me, Jesus. How do we, how do we pursue the spirit of the fear of the Lord? Um, Proverbs 2 tells us. And it's really simple. Praise God, as most things are in the, in the kingdom. Um, Proverbs 2, starting in verse 1, it says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Here it is. Yes, if you call out for insight if you raise your voice for understanding if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure then you will understand the fear of the lord and find the knowledge of god how do we encounter the spirit of the fear of the lord we ask and we seek we pray and this is good news because we are a house of prayer right Ephesians 3:18 Um, Like I said, I pray the Bible. I just pray line upon line. That's just, I don't know where I'd be without that, to be honest with you. It's kept me um, fervent, in and out of season, and all sorts of stuff. Um, But uh, I prayed through the book of Ephesians almost for an entire year. I just couldn't get out of it. And I prayed it more times than I could even recall And I love Ephesians 3 when it says um, that you, together with all the saints, would apprehend um, the love of Christ, that you would um, experience the love of Christ that transcends intellect or knowledge, you know. You'd actually enter into the fullness of the full stature of the Son of God, blah, blah, blah. Well, I prayed through that and applied it personally, like, I want to experience The love of Christ was transcendent. I want to experience your love in a way that blows my mind apart. And that was awesome. God was pleased with it. But I can't tell you, it was maybe eight months into praying this that all of a sudden I realized the context that you, together with all the saints, would apprehend. That actually, God in his fullness requires corporate pursuit because he's that immense. His ways are beyond searching out. I tell you, we're going to forever be discovering him. He's going to be forever. We, we don't understand that. We can't even begin to grasp what that means. But he is going to be unfolding who he is to us forever. There's not mandatory worship in heaven. Those angels have been there for millennia encircled around him shouting out, holy, holy, one, one, whole, whole is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is full of his glory. They're not there because they can't not be. They're there because they are constantly seeing an unfolding of a God who never changes but is always revealing. We can't but it makes me excited because if you're, if you're bored with God <laughs> then it's because you're not worshipping God you don't see God if you're bored with God you've created him in your image he looks too much like you he thinks too much like you he shares too many of your opinions God is inexhaustible he is different he is not like you he is not like me. He is utterly and eternal. He's the most fascinating, glorious, beautiful. And so we receive the spirit of the fear of the Lord by asking for it. And if there's any hope that I have for you today, it's that something about what's shared here provokes you. To get real tenacious about asking and to continue asking, to seek and to continue seeking because we need the spirit of the fear of the Lord in this day. You know, <clears throat> oftentimes the spirit of the fear of the Lord or fear of the Lord is um, reverence, you know, reverence towards God, which is absolutely true. But we live in such an irreverent culture that we struggle to really know what reverence is. But I would propose to you that when we encounter God in the fear of the Lord, it, it is terrifying. And I'll share in a minute an experience. It is terrifying because we are imperfect. We're declared holy, and we're becoming holy, right? We've, we have the Spirit of God, which is perfect within us, but we are on a sanctifying journey. We are growing up into the full stature, but we have never, ever seen full perfection. It is Beyond us. The most beautiful scene, the most intimate, amazing moment with your spouse, the most whatever, you name it, can't even compare to perfection. We have no grid. And so to stand before God who is perfect is terrifying. It is terrifying because we have no spot in our brain to put it, it blows apart everything, and it's holy and beautiful, terrifying. If, if in the scripture, men and women, even in, in the new covenant, encounter an angel, which is a created thing. It's just another created thing. An angel's like a tree. We just don't see them all the time, right? It's, it's just, they're created things not diminishing them, thankful for their ministry, <clears throat> but um, they are just created. If encountering an angel caused men and women to fall down as though dead in terror, do we not think before the Holy One? I mean, okay. <clears throat> Am I whetting your appetite? Yeah. Yes, Okay. Um, so, here, yeah, oh, I want to talk about the fruits of the spirit of the fear of the Lord to continue to whet your appetite. Um, this, the fear of the Lord, God, there's so many promises for those who fear Him. The first fruit, and the most glorious one, is that we get God, <laughs> right? We, we get more of Him. Actually, in the fear of God, our capacity to love him grows. He carves out something. He burns up space within us that then he fills with himself. He he puts in us, in the fear of the Lord, a greater love for him, a greater ability to walk uprightly before him in holiness. There is a transformation that happens in the fear of the Lord that is effortless. I want to tell you, when I got kicked out of church in 2006, because I was in sin, rebellious, unrepentant, and uh, under the judgment of God, and um, the wrath of God let me do whatever my wicked heart wanted to do, and let me tell you, that is a dangerous place to be, You'd never want God to allow you to go to where your heart outside of him wants to go. Keep your hand upon us, Lord. But he removed his hand for a season, and he let me run into whatever I wanted, and I got what I wanted, and let me tell you, it chewed me up and spit me out, man. But I had become not only full of sin and deception, I had become very passionate about instructing fundamental Christians out of their deception. (laughs) I was evangelistically pagan okay and i was not looking for god i was in a relationship with a man i um was he was kind of christian i mean he was believed in jesus and it was a big point of contention in the relationship And i was like you believe in hell what oh my god you know and so anyway uh and then god came he came unsolicited he came unwanted unasked for but in his sovereignty and his selection and, and, and possession of me. I, I, be, I belonged to him the entire time, I know it. He came, and when he came, I won't go into the details of that encounter, but I'll tell you, it was so holy I couldn't talk about it for over a year because just to put words around it defiled it in some way. It was holy, and I stood before the Holy One of Israel, and I knew if I got any closer to him, in the state my life was in, if I got any closer than where he brought me, I was going to die. I knew it. I was terrified. And when he, it was, I saw the door in heaven. The door was Jesus himself. And it was open just this much, just this much. And I believe it was the mercy of Jesus to allow just enough of the radiance of God to hit me so as to not kill me (laughs) but to transform me. And when that happened, you know, babies, their reflex, when they get scared, little babies, they just go, you know, you know that. That's exactly what it was like. And as the radiance of God's glory in his holiness rushed towards me, my arms shot straight into the sky instant, ancient reflex. And I screamed in a way that I I don't think I can reproduce. I didn't sound like a human being. I sounded like a dying animal. Like I sounded like a rabbit being slaughtered. And I screamed one word, and it was holy. And instantly I was back in my room, and the fear of the Lord remained for a bit, and I trembled and shook. And I knew in that moment, no one said a word to me. Jesus, I was all alone in my house. Jesus did not say a word to me. He did not correct me. He did not talk to me about my drug use or my sexual sin or brokenness. He did not tell me, I am Jesus. You must worship me. He didn't do any of that. He just showed me himself in fullness this much and he burned something out. I saw it instantly, clearly. I knew he was the king of glory. He was God. I was not. I knew instantly that everything about my life defiled what he had called me to and what he had put inside of me by his spirit. I, I saw clear. Why? Because the fear of the Lord is clean, and it is pure, and everything changed. I ended relationships, I gave all my stuff away, and I had a lot of stuff, I was doing really well in life at that time, (laughs) and I gave all my stuff away, and I went into radical obedience, sacrificial, because I had seen the Lord, and I went on this crazy journey of discovering Jesus in the scripture, finding scriptures that made sense of this experience that I'd had, that I had no grid for, it was wild. Now, did it perfect me in an instant? No, I'm still on the sanctifying journey, I still got some stuff right? Still got some stuff, still working out some things, still getting healed and whole. But I was transformed in an instant. And I think this is the power of the spirit of the fear of the Lord and why we must set our hearts on encountering him in this way, because we need to be changed. We need to be changed. We need to be transfigured and transformed to a greater level because let me tell you, power is easily accessible no matter what kingdom you're a part of. Information is easily accessible no matter what kingdom you're a part of. But glory only belongs to one. And I tell you, as deception grows and darkness grows, there will the Antichrist is going to be convincing. There's going to be a great falling away. That's the truth. It's prophesied. It will happen. I don't want it to, but it's going to happen. But those who are marked by the fear of the Lord, who stand in the glory of God, are going to shine, as Paul says, in a crooked and depraved generation as they hold out the word of life. Shine like stars in the universe. We're going to glow in the glory of God. But it begins now with setting our hearts to fear him. There's so much benefit, blessing, sleep, prolonged life. And I don't think that just means our physical lives. I think it means the prolonged life of the movement of the spirit, the prolonged life of revival. That revivals tend to fizzle once people start bringing strange fire by calling common what he's made clean by treating commonly what is holy, by getting so familiar with his presence that they take it for granted and start, like the book of Malachi says, bringing lame offerings and blind sheep. And we do that figuratively sometimes. We don't bring the best because we go common and familiar. We can't do that with God. And it's why the house of prayer is so such a gift to us. Because if I start to feel that way, if I start to kind of lean into familiarity and numbness and I show up and all of a sudden someone's praying something or someone comes and prays for me that stirs my affection and stirs it awakens my spirit and all of a sudden I'm like shook awake again I'm like oh there's more I'd forgotten oh there's more forgive me Lord like I totally took for granted I'm growing familiar and let me tell you I have encountered the spirit of the fear of God It has messed me up in the most amazing ways, but as I stand before you today, I am so aware that I need more of the spirit of the fear of the Lord. I need to fear the Lord more than I do. I need him to impart that into my heart in a greater measure for what I've been called to lead, both at home and in church, (laughs) for what he desires to do in and through my life and yours we need to draw near to the Holy One to look at him not in part but in his entirety to be changed to be transfigured so if you would stand up with me I want to honor there's so much more I wish I could say ah there's so much more but I want to honor time and kid volunteers and all of that But let's pray for a moment. We can go back into the urane, you know, if you want, unless you have something else. But um, I want to pray in a moment, but before I pray, I want you to pray. And if you would, just as a, a physical posture like we were doing this earlier, if you are willing to receive him in this way, I ask that you would open your hands. And if Proverbs 2 says, if you seek... And ask and inquire, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. You'll receive the fear of the Lord, and you'll get the knowledge of God. Then let's ask Him. I just invite you, in your own, with your own voice, to aloud ask Him, Lord, I want to fear Your name i want holy spirit for you to invade my world as the spirit of the fear of the lord lord i want to enter into this greater measure of holiness because you're not interested in just manufacturing behavior or changing how i act you want to impart something inside of us that is so pure and clean that it actually infuses purity not just in our actions but at the very core of our motivations that we don't move in the right form, but from selfish ambition and self-promotion. But we actually have purified motivations, purified ambition, because the fear of the Lord, the spirit of the fear of the Lord is within us. Lord, we desire to see your glory. Lord, we wanna behold your glory. We wanna carry your glory, Lord, but we must fear you. We must fear your name to see you as you are. Lord, we repent and ask you to forgive us for how small we viewed you, for how little we've thought of you, for how familiar we've become at times with the holiness of being people of your presence. Lord, we repent. We ask you for mercy. But would you release grace to us today, Lord? To seek out and to receive the fear of you so that we might carry the glory that's yours into all the earth descend upon us we pray